0: Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Long Relief Podcast with Austin Dakota and Barrett Hodgson. We are just hours away from the 2022 MLB postseason. As the regular season concluded yesterday on Wednesday, Barrett, today we're recording this on Thursday. A day off for everybody before the postseason begins. Let's take a look at some of the notable happenings throughout this past regular season. I guess starting with the most recent one, Aaron Judge breaks the American League home run record uh, with home run Number 62, the record previously held by Roger Maris. Big accomplishment for a guy who's going to be a free agent.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's very impressive the season that Judge had overall. He just missed out on the batting title for the Triple Crown, but it's okay. Basically, what's going to happen, in my opinion, is if the Yankees go into the postseason, they make some noise, it's probably a share bet that Judge ends up back in New York. If the Yankees go in, they get swept or something or lose, and the, obviously they're on bye, but if they lose in their first playoff matchup, then I think Judge has a, a big decision to make. And coming off a 62 home run season, he's going to get a lot of money.
0: And speaking of home runs, The on the other side of things, in the National League, Albert Pujols hits his 700th career home run. He ends up finishing with 703, I believe, as he makes his way to the postseason with his St. Louis Cardinals. But a huge milestone for a guy who all of a sudden, after the All-Star break, became the best right-handed hitter, in the National League, it seemed like, hitting home runs every day. But Pujols gets to 700.
1: Yeah, that was interesting. huh? Just all of a sudden, and he turns it on after about six years of not being very productive. But it was fun to watch, fun to see. I mean, we'll see if he can continue his power surge into the playoffs and give your Phillies some problems.
0: Well, speaking of the Phillies, let's just start there with the National League Wild Card Series now. Two teams in the NL have buys, those being the Dodgers and the Braves, thanks to their strong performances throughout the regular season. But one of the first matchups we're going to get to see tomorrow, Friday, at 2.07, very specific, p.m. It's going to be the Phillies visiting St. Louis and taking on the Cardinals. And the Cardinals are rumored to be throwing Jose Quintana. We know that will be Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. Now, the Phillies end their postseason drought after 11 years of not making it in. 11 years ago, it was Wainwright, Molina, and Pulhos and the Cardinals to eliminate the Phillies, and now the Phillies have a chance to return the favor.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting series. I don't really get the start of Quintana in Game 1. I don't know, maybe, if they want Wainwright ready for Game 3 because they have Mikolas Pencil as their Game 2 starter, but uh, it feels like a weird direction to go. I know Quintana was solid after they acquired him around the trade deadline. Uh, But it feels like a guy that doesn't throw the ball very hard, um, and it seems like a strategy to maybe try and slow down Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper, two lefties in the Phillies lineup. Um, Austin, how do you see that playing out? Do you think that's maybe why they went with Quintana to try to prevent those guys from hurting them early on in the game?
0: It certainly could be. If you look at the right-handed hitters in the Phillies lineup, you have... Reese Hoskins, JT Real Nick Castellanos, a couple of the prominent names. Now, Castellanos just returned from an injury and has yet to do much. Even when he was healthy this year, he barely cracked a double-digit home run. So I don't think they're as concerned with Castellanos, with Real who had a great season, and Hoskins. Because they know Hoskins is inconsistent. He's a, a 230, 240 hitter who... Just approached thirty home runs, but as you said, you look at Schwarber and Harper. Schwarber led the National League in homers at, with forty six. Harper, obviously the twenty twenty one MVP, one of the best bats in the league. They're probably better off tossing the left hander to slow those two guys down and take their chances with Hoskins, Realmudo, and Castellanos. And you got to also throw in Bryson Stott, who's been really good against right handers. The rookie shortstop uh, raised his average to two forty. Thanks to the firing of Joe Girardi and the chance of him to play every day. It's going to be an interesting series. Obviously, as a Phillies fan, I <clears throat> I think and I believe that the Phillies will prevail. But at the same time, this is a Cardinals lineup that is sneaky good in a rotation that has been reliable.
1: Yeah, and they have a ton of experience on this roster. They have a bunch of guys who have been here before. Obviously, you mentioned Pujols, Molina, Wainwright. But then you have guys like Goldschmidt and Arenado who are kind of getting – uh, they've, they've each reached the postseason before, but they're kind of sniffing like their first real chance, it feels like, uh, to make a deep run. And I think those guys are going to be uh, hungry to to go out and make some noise and win this series. I think that they want to see the Braves in the second round, obviously. And if their pitching can hold up, I think their lineup could, could cause some problems for the Phillies.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a, a good battle, I think, between these two teams and – Game one, as I mentioned, Wheeler versus Quintana. Game two looks to be Miles Mikolas versus Aaron Nola. And game three, Ranger Suarez will likely get the ball for the Phillies, but the Cardinals still tweaking some things with the rotation. you got to think Adam Wainwright's in the mix. It's hard to believe that they would have a three-game series and not use Wainwright, so we'll we'll for sure see him at some point. And at the end of the day, well, Bryce Harper has been ice cold since his return from injury, and the Phillies lineup has been inconsistent. Uh, Fortunately, they're back in the postseason, but – if their bats don't show up, they won't stand a chance. So Barrett, who are you picking
1: for this series? I like St. Louis in three. I know it might hurt you to say, but I think uh, I do think the Phillies steal one. Uh, I just I wouldn't want to bet against Wainwright in an elimination game, and that's my only thought process and why they're saving him for that. Um, if they do lose game one, you might see some things shift around, then Wainwright maybe goes game two but I think maybe they're just holding him in their back pocket for an emergency. And they might try to kind of steal a few games early on, but I'm going to take St. Louis in three. I do think the Phillies get one. And I, I actually think this could be a really good series.
0: I'm going to go Phillies in two. And here's why. If they get to three games, they're not winning the series of Phillies. I think Wheeler and Nola have enough to wrap this thing up in two. Now, If you look at their last couple starts, Wheeler, they shut down for a little bit. He only threw 153 innings. He comes back, makes a couple starts, his most recent one against the Nationals, five shutout innings, didn't walk anybody, struck out seven, and regularly sat 97 to 98 miles an hour. So I have no concerns with him. He's been strong against the Cardinals in the past, but Aaron Nola's best team that he faces is the St. Louis Cardinals. He threw a complete game shuttered against them on just two hits earlier in the year. He's been good all season. He's the first pitcher since 1884 to have over 200 innings pitch. uh, uh, Sorry, to have over 220 strikeouts and less than 30 walks. So he broke records this year. The guy's a borderline ace. And I think Wheeler and Nola have enough to get by the Cardinals in this round.
1: Yeah, I definitely could see that as well. I mean, but. I think you hit it right on the head. They gotta win the first two games with those two guys, and it's very possible having two aces going, but they're gonna need to be able to go deep into the game and hopefully get the ball to Alvarado, who's been very good as of late.
0: That's the guy right there. the The X factor, Jose Alvarado, has been borderline the best pitcher in baseball statistically since August first. They sent him down to AAA. He learns a cutter. Somebody just decided to teach him a cutter down there. Comes back and all of a sudden is just unhittable. So we'll see how that series plays out, but it's certainly going to be a competitive one. The other series in the National League is a really a heavyweight fight on paper. It's the Padres versus the Mets. Now, this is a situation that, honestly, neither of these teams want to be in. If you're the Mets, you were hoping to win the division and wrap things up and have a first-round buy, and it looked that way for, what, 90% of the season? And then the Padres, they go and they trade for Soto, they trade for Hayter, and yet they still have to scratch their way to a five seed.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Mets, it's got to kill for Mets fans to be in this spot. Win 100-plus games. You don't get the bye. You're back in the postseason. You have the division all year, and then you lose it in the last month. Uh, that's got to hurt. And for Padres fans, they probably knew that they were going to be in the wild card. They probably hoped they were the four seed opposed to the five seed. Um, but they go out, they get Juan Soto. Uh, who hasn't. He's been okay. Uh, Josh Hader hasn't been very good. So they're big – trade deadline acquisitions, they, they're they going to see if they pan out in the playoffs. And everyone will forget poor regular seasons if they show up then. Uh, but I think the Mets have a significant advantage here, having home field advantage and being able to throw DeGrom. Scherzer's going to get game one, DeGrom likely game two, and if need be, Chris Bass in game three. I just think that's a three-headed monster that's going to be very hard to beat in a three-game series.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you look at the numbers, and they really don't lie. Max Scherzer's thrown over 120 innings in his postseason career, and his ERA sits under three and a half. You Darvish, who's projected to be the Padres' game one starter, 33 innings in his postseason career, a 5.8 ERA. Not very good in the postseason, but at the same time, Darvish kind of reinvented himself this year and pitched to his best complete season since probably 2014, I think the numbers were, when you don't count the shortened 2020 season. So Darvish... Are we buying any stock in him as being reinvented and the possibility he knocks off Scherzer, or we just think Scherzer can overpower him?
1: I mean, I think Scherzer's just going to overpower him in this one, especially. I mean, who really besides Machado and Soto, I just Scherzer going to be scared to throw the ball to anybody? I, he won't even be scared to throw the ball at those guys, but is he going to be scared to pitch to these other guys? I really don't think so. I mean, they got Josh Bell and they got Brandon Drury and. I just think Scherz is going to go right at these guys. He's going to try to have an efficient uh, pitch count and pitch mix and go deep into the game. And like you said, Darvish hasn't been good in the postseason before. And I just think I think Game One has Mets written all over it for sure.
0: Yeah, Jacob Degrom likely to get the ball game too. I don't see a situation in which he doesn't. Uh, but his last couple starts were a little shaky towards the end of the season. Of course, it's Jacob Degrom. We know we're not getting two hundred innings of gear out of him, but we're kind of accustomed to his 100-plus innings being dominant, typically being the best 100 innings out of any pitcher uh, in the game of baseball. Um, But for DeGrom, his last start came against the Atlanta Braves. He allowed three runs in six innings. He started against the A's before that, five runs in four innings. Against the Pirates, three runs in five innings. And the Cubs, three runs in six innings. So across his last four starts, I mean, he's been tattooed a bit, 14 runs across those starts and. It's been the walks in one of them, four against the Oakland A's. So DeGrom getting hit a bit, is, is that any concern to you, Barrett, at all?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a concern because it just takes a leadoff walk and a two-run home run or something, and the game could be over as early as the second or third inning. That's how it goes in playoff baseball. Um, but then you got to remember the other side of things. I mean, who, who's San Diego going to throw at their game to? Is it going to be Musgrove? Is it going to be Blake Snell? Um, will Manaya get some innings in this series? It'll be interesting to see. I do think you're definitely right. I think it's a little concerning that DeGrom struggled as of late. But it is Jacob DeGrom. He could go out there and strike out 15 batters. You just don't know what you're going to get right now. He's had his good moments throughout the season, just not as of late. So I think the home field crowd will definitely help him in this game. Uh, and similar to the Scherzer situation, is there a guy that he should be scared to throw to? Besides those two all stars, I mean, Jerickson Profile, Ha Kim, Austin Noah, like guys like that, he's gonna feast on. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs. But overall, I think we'll probably see a, a better version of DeGrom. Maybe not his best, but he'll. I think he'll have to pitch a good game.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, you hit the nail right on the head. It, it's Jacob DeGrom. I mean, even if you don't get the best version you're still getting a number two pitcher at worst. And DeGrom, I think, has shown that in his postseason career. He's reliable as well. So that's part of the reason. I'm going to pick the Mets. I'm going to pick them in three. Now, I I just can see the Padres putting together a couple of singles and then Machado or Soto hits a three-run home run and they snatch one of the games. But I think this is the Mets series. It's certainly the Mets series to lose.
1: Yeah, I think it's the Mets series to lose as well. I'm going to take them in two. I just think those two guys – I mean, if they go out there and do their jobs and then they have Bassett rested for game one, that's such a huge win considering what they had to deal with and losing out on the bye and having rest. So I think the Mets will take care of business early and I'm going to take them in two games.
0: Now jumping over to the American League side of things, Barrett, is we have, you have the Cardinals advancing, I have the Phillies, and then we both agree on the Mets. So round two, it would be Dodgers-Mets, I believe, would be how that one lines up, and then Braves would get the Phillies
1: or the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, yeah, I believe so. They don't do – does the highest seed get the lowest remaining seed or no? I don't
0: believe so. The way it's set up is a bracket, so I believe they just kind of go off that bracket.
1: Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's what that would look like. Um, it'd be interesting. It would be fun. Matt's Dodgers would be very fun, I think. And, obviously, the defending champion Braves, whoever they get, Phillies or Cardinals, they'd be fun matchups on both both sides.
0: So definitely a tough road in the National League side of things. And now looking at the American League, it's a couple of real scrappy teams. Let's start with the series that contains a couple of the scrappiest teams in baseball, where you have the Seattle Mariners taking on the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, the Mariners are a team that's had to claw their way back to the postseason. They didn't make it since 2001. And they managed to fight their way back to take on the Toronto Blue Jays who underwhelmed earlier in the year and managed to put it together to have a good season.
1: Yeah. I mean, this series is fun. There is, you got the Mariners returning, you got Toronto with a bunch of young studs and game one, you got two great young pitchers Luis Castillo and Alec Manoa going at each other. And I'm excited to watch this series. This is probably the series I've circled the most to just enjoy watching. Um, and it's kind of disappointing that these two teams matched up because I'd love to see them both in the second round. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how Seattle handles the bats of the Toronto lineup. I know Castillo, uh, Robbie Ray, and Logan Gilbert is a tough three-man to go against, but will Seattle be able to score with Toronto? That's kind of my main question not this.
0: Yeah, you look at Alec Manoa. He's developed in one of the best young pitchers in the game. Uh, was an All-Star Game uh, nominee this year as well. Um But it appears that game one, it will be Castillo versus Manoa. That could be anybody's game, depending on which of those pitchers show up. Game two and three are going to be interesting. It's probably going to be Gosman for the Blue Jays game two. The Mariners haven't made it official, but it's going to be either Robbie Ray or Logan Gilbert, we can assume. Game three, it has it penciled in, and I don't know if this is completely accurate, but on CBS Sports, it's penciled in as Jose Barrios who has a 5.2 ERA, getting the ball for the Toronto Blue Jays. So, with that being said, I think if it goes three, similar to the Philly series, I think if it goes three, the Mariners take it.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And I don't I don't understand throwing Barrios out there at all. I mean, he's been horrible this season. I'd rather throw stripling or something like that. But I think, honestly, when you have the matchups in the first two games, Castillo versus Minaya in either Ray or Gilbert versus Gosman, I think that's going to end up being a split. And then you're going to end up in game three. And I wouldn't trust putting the ball in Barrios's hands. And I think Seattle will be able to take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and take the Mariners in three. I think, like we talked about, if they get to face Jose Barrios, it's it's Seattle's time and it's Seattle's series. Um, the Blue Jays have been inconsistent, too. Their bullpen's not the surest thing the Mariners have enough pieces to play situational baseball. And it seems like the Mariners have a little bit of that timely hitting as well.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take Seattle in three as well. And I just think, I think Seattle just has juice behind them. I think I think everyone's excited to see him in the postseason. And I just don't know if the Toronto pitching staff is going to be able to hold up against that young lineup. Like you said, they got timely, timely hitting. They can play some small ball. Uh, they're pretty good defensively. So I'm going to go with Seattle in three as well.
0: And then the other series in the American League, after we both picked Seattle in this one, would be the Cleveland Guardians, the and uh, the AL Central winning Cleveland Guardians, hosting the Tampa Bay Rays, who even though they lost five in a row at the end of the year, the Rays still get into the playoffs. They're getting healthy finally. And I think that was a big part of it this season for Tampa. Wanda Franco missed some time. Brandon Lau's out. Tyler Glasnow obviously injured for most of the year. And you look at Cleveland, Cleveland's got the, the third lowest payroll in baseball. They're 28th out of 30 teams. They paid nobody. They have nothing based on names, but yet they put it all together and they win the division.
1: Yeah. I mean, imagine if they spent some money, they could be a really good team, but I don't know. It's, it, it, I think this is a series where home field could come into play a big time because the Cleveland crowds a pretty good one. Usually in, uh, Is anyone going to travel? Are any Rays fans going to travel? I'm going to guess not. Nope. Uh, So, it really comes down to if McClanahan versus Bieber, I think the Rays need to win that game. That's going to be very important. Um, But I don't know. They're both low-payroll teams. They're both scrappy. And, honestly, this series could go either way.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at the – the way the guardians built their team they don't actually walk a ton but they just hit the ball they they all it's filled with a lineup full of guys who hit between 280 and 300 then of course you have jose ramirez right in the middle of it one of the top players in the league and then a couple guys who can hit for power josh naylor but there's just a lack of names which i think will scare people away from taking the guardians but for me it's especially with home field advantage for them it's hard to bet against cleveland i'm gonna go ahead and take them and uh, it's tough. I mean, like you said, for the first game, literally is a coin flip between Bieber and McClanahan. But I still think the Guardians wrap this thing up in in three.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I don't know. I like the home field thing, but Tampa Bay every year they just prove they just prove me wrong. I never believe in them. I think Tampa Bay actually ends up winning this series. I'm gonna take Tampa in three. Uh, I don't know who they would even throw out there in game three, but. <laughs> They just scrap stuff together sometimes, yeah. and I don't really like the idea of Cal Quantrill as the game three starter for, for the the Guardians. So I'm going to take Tampa there. Uh, I think Wander Franco has some timely hits. I think Randy Orozco ran and we see some playoff moments. We know that's what he does, and I just think the Rays scrap their way to the second round.
0: Yeah, it's really another coin flip series. And that's what's so tough about these three-game wildcard rounds now is it could be anyone's game. And I think game ones, it's going to be interesting because this is really the first time we're seeing this format. I bet the winners of game ones are going to win the series for the most part. I just – it's hard to win two in a row like that in such a short time frame.
1: Yeah, especially if you're a team that's on the road and you lose that game one. I mean – it's difficult to come back and just win two straight. I mean, if you look at it like a regular season series, it's difficult to do it in the regular season, let alone when you're on the big stage and everyone's watching the postseason. So I agree. I think a lot of those game one winners probably will likely end up winning the series. And a lot of these teams have three pretty solid starters to send out there. So it's going to be a fun wild card round.
0: Yeah, we won't get too far into things, Barry, because I'm sure we'll record another episode for the divisional series. but wrapping up the American League the winner of Tampa and Cleveland gets the New York Yankees the winner of the Mariners Blue Jay series gets the Houston Astros who's your so I've seen this kind of question thrown out on MLB network on Twitter which team do you think out of all the teams in the postseason has the most pressure to win
1: the most pressure to win has got to be the Dodgers I mean Based off what they have in their organization, like the money that they've spent, they just have the expectation to go out there and win. Uh, I think the second highest is probably the Yankees. People have been waiting forever for the Yankees to go do it, something. And I think it, it will have an impact on Aaron Judge's free agency. But I think those two teams, I mean, those are the money spenders and the, uh, the AL and the NL. So I think the two top spenders, that's probably probably have the most pressure.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you look at the other teams to eliminate some Phillies and Mariners fans pretty much don't care if they win. They both just ended playoff drought. So they're going to be happy. Padres fans might be a little annoyed, but given the circumstances, I think they're okay with you know advancing a a round or two. Braves fans, I mean, they just won. I mean, you don't go back to back very often. Uh, Then you have the, uh, the Mets are another one though, Barrett. The Mets are a lot of pressures on that team, especially given the fact that they lost first place in the division. They spent so much money. And I, how much longer are Scherzer and DeGrom going to be able to sustain this?
1: Yeah, I know. I just – I agree there. I think the Mets are probably be the third, the next team, in my opinion. to have a lot of expectations. You know their owner, Stephen Cohen, he expects, expects a lot. And they're going to have – if they get out of the first round, they'll have a date with the Dodgers in the second round. And one fan base is going to be very – very disappointed. Whoever ends up advancing uh, to the NLCS, the other team, their fan base will be very upset. Like you said, Scherzer and Degrom, how much longer? I think can they stay in there? Their success again. I mean, it'll be another year on their on their arms next year, another 150, 200 innings. Um, so this is kind of the Mets. It's time for the Mets to go and get it. Is really what it is, and it just so happens they probably have the toughest path.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to go through the Dodgers at some point, and that's certainly a lot of people's favorite to win it all, Barrett. Do you have a team here, before we wrap things up on the Long Relief Podcast, a team to win it all, your pick?
1: So my pick's probably the Astros. I think the Astros' lineup is just very scary. Their bullpen's good. Their rotation's good. Um, The team that I want to see win, I I want the World Series to be Seattle versus St. Louis. Um, I think that'd be a fun way to go out. I, I wouldn't even care who won that one. If St. Louis won the whole thing with one last ride for those guys, that'd be really cool. If Seattle surprised everyone and had a, a young team going win the World Series, that'd be awesome. But I think the most realistic uh, matchup in the World Series is probably the Astros and either the Dodgers or the Mets. I think the winner of that series will end up in the World Series. Um, so you might see a repeat of Astros, Dodgers and, I just wouldn't want to play the Astros at all.
0: Yeah, it's hard to argue against a couple of the favorites. And as much as I want to sit here and tell everybody that I'm picking the Phillies to win, I, I just can't do that. Um, they won 87 games. Their hitting's inconsistent. But at the same time, I don't think many people picked the Braves to win once they got in last year as well. So it's really about who gets hot. Um, and I I just can't. I can't bet against the Dodgers this year. They've been so good all season long. I don't think, I mean, having that bye, how big is that for Kershaw and that team to not have to pitch an extra three games or so? So I got to pick the Dodgers. I do agree the Astros have a lot in them, but it's it's hard to say because I feel like the American League is just besides the Astros, it could be anybody. So I'm going to pick the Dodgers. Um, I hate to do it, but I'm going to pick them over the, I'll pick them over the Yankees. I don't want to see the Yankees go that far. But I have a feeling the way Aaron Judge is swinging it, having that bye again, I think is going to be so huge for these teams that I think the Dodgers are going to benefit from it the most.
1: Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see where we go. I mean, we both have the Padres getting eliminated. They can go out and win the whole thing. So (laughs) who, who knows? It's going to be a fun, fun first round of the postseason. And we'll keep you guys updated throughout the playoffs, obviously. And we'll be excited to talk about the ALDS and the NLDS on our next episode.
0: Well, that will wrap things up here on Season 2, Episode 2 of the Long Relief Podcast. And please make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on social medias at Long Relief Podcast. For Barrett Hodgson, I'm Austin Nakuda saying thank you for listening, and don't forget to subscribe.